Welcome back to another episode of The Escape. As always, today's episode is brought to you by Allworth Financial, uncompromised wealth management. When there's more interest in doing what's right for you, not what's best for us, what do we call that there, John? Uncompromised wealth management. That's right. Your financial future deserves better. Talk with a financial expert today at www.allworthfinancial.com. All right, guys, welcome back into another episode. Let's go ahead and kick it over to 12 for the rundown. Yeah, we got the rundown this week here. We got first topic of conversation. A lot of uh, rumors flying around about Justin Fields. A lot of trade rumors flying around. We got the former Ohio State Buckeye, current Chicago Bears quarterback. Um, the Bears do have the number one pick this year. Been hearing some rumors about possibly trading Fields, drafting Caleb Williams. The latest I've seen is potentially Fields to Atlanta. I know we got some ties with Desmond Ritter down there. What are we feeling about that? What, what have you guys been seeing? Yeah, I, I saw the same thing that you saw um, as far as the Falcons kind of being the the headline of that rumor. I don't know. I mean, I, I did see another – I saw a stat the other day, and it had Lamar Jackson, who just won the MVP's stats, compared to Justin Fields, and there wasn't, like, that much of a separation. So I feel like Fields is kind of – I don't want to – I'm not saying I'm, like, all in on him. I think he's – a lead and deserves a big time contract or anything like that. But let's be honest, he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him in Chicago. I, I don't think he's the problem in Chicago, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think to get rid of fields and think Caleb Williams is going to fix all the issues. I don't think that's the right move. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I don't have like a huge opinion on this. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what would solve football in Chicago um, and what move they should make, but I'm with you. I don't think – I saw some really good things out of Fields at times this year. I don't think he's the main issue in Chicago. Um, I just think there is a lot of pressure when you do have that number one pick. It's like people want you to make some noise, so it's kind of – they kind of got to decide what they want to do with that in the situation they're in. So, yeah, and nobody has a crystal ball, right? You know, you never know how things are going to pan out. People think, you know, you draft this guy number one, it's going to completely turn the franchise around, and you just, you just don't know, right? I mean, the quote from Moneyball, like, and you don't, you don't, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. So, moving on here, Cody Bellinger, he signed a big three-year deal with the Cubs, three years, eighty million dollars. Um, you know, as an NL central rival of our Reds, I guess kind of exciting that we're going to get to watch him play, but also, you know, John, I know you could probably relate to this kind of miss the vibe of like him and Jock being out in LA, um, for most yeah. of the season, we're going to have to be rooting against him, unfortunately. Yeah, I did. I mean, obviously his rookie year and his first couple of years in LA were definitely a vibe. Um, I mean, he, he was one of the best players in the league at that point. I was happy to see um, – I mean, he was definitely in a rut there in a little bit in L.A., and I was happy to see him move to the Cubs, kind of get things going again a little bit. You saw a little bit of the old Cody Bellinger. Um, so definitely happy to see him. Um, I was a fan of him in his early years in L.A., so happy to see him. Looks like he's in a better spot, doing a little better. So, yeah, don't want to see him do too well against the Reds, but um, – Excited to watch him play in Chicago for a few years. So what do you guys think? Three-year, 80 million, I think, was the number. Do you think 
based off, I know he had struggled, but again, like you guys are saying, he, he kind of turned the page and, and got back to being the Cody Bellinger we know last year. What do you think as far as an investment? Do you guys like that? Yeah, I mean, people are people are spending more and more money on these contracts every year, so it's getting harder and harder to – you can't really compare to like a year in the past because the money just keeps going up and up. Inflation. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, again, like you said, you've seen – how special Cody Bellinger can be when he's on in those young. So like, you know, it's in there. So I, yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah. I mean, $80 million, that's a lot of money for three years, but I, I agree with John. I mean, he's, he's have a, has a proven track record that can be one of the best hitters in the game. Um, you know, up there in the windy city, they got some pieces up there. Um, so no, it'll be fun to watch him in Chicago take on our reds this year. And that kind of brings me my last point here. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was a quote I saw on Twitter from Natty Sports from the CEO of the Reds, Jonathan India. And I will read it here directly because it just absolutely freaking fired me up. Quote, we coming. This is a year we're going to be a playoff team. We all know it. We just missed the playoffs by two games last year. We're not going to miss it again. We've got some energy. We've got more confidence. And a lot of us have a chip on our shoulder. We're going to win that division this year. We're electric. We're fast. We're always on base. We steal. We create havoc. We have energy. And we're here to change the way of the game this year. We have the best fans in baseball. And we're going to win the division championship for the city. I mean, as a Reds fan, as a baseball fan, how are you not absolutely freaking fired up hearing that? Yeah. No, I mean, that's awesome. I'm so glad that they brought Jonathan India back. Um, kind of a similar conversation we were just having about Bellinger. I mean, we, we've seen what he can do. I know the past year or so it, it hasn't been, you know, the Jonathan India that we've seen, but I'm totally confident that he can get back to being that player. And another thing too, is he seems just like a huge clubhouse guy for that team. Um, and I know once we get our guests on, we'll talk about the more the importance of that, but that's a very young team. I know Jonathan India is what, how old is that? How many years has he been in the league? Three? Yeah. I think but he, is, he, yeah. Yeah, but he's seen as, you know, kind of a veteran on yeah. that Reds team. So I think it's important to have him. Um, he's an important piece, I think, not only on the field, but in that clubhouse as well. No, I yeah. totally agree. He's um, he's just one of the guys, even though he is a young guy, you talked about how young that roster is. He's been there through all of these guys forming on the Reds. I mean, he's been there through the whole roster um, the past couple of years. So, I mean – like you said, big part of the clubhouse, big part of the team. It's definitely a leader on the team. You could tell that just by watching the game. So, uh, yeah, super pumped that he's back and love the quote. Yeah, and just something that's constantly overlooked, especially at the professional sports level, is just the concept of team, right? Like, it, it's just so rare to see. I know that, you know, us growing up as Reds fans, following the Reds, like last year was something different than, you know, we had never seen, really. And, like, we were talking to Jake later here and like, I, I kind of like brought it back to the point. Like they, they look like a college baseball team, like just everybody pulling in the same direction, playing hard, going first to third, doing all the right things. So it's awesome to see that the leader in that clubhouse is the one that's exemplifying that culture. And, you know, they're, they're putting a staple on it. They're coming out and saying, this is who we are. This is who we're going to be. I could not be more excited for Reds baseball this season. Now it's time for our all-worth athlete of the week. This week's athlete is Brian Erlacher. Brian Erlacher, 
Um, obviously one of the best linebackers of all time. He is um, in the College Football Hall of Fame as well as he was inducted to the NFL Hall of Fame in um, 2018. One thing about Erlacher, he is six foot four, 260. That's what he played at. So, I mean, absolute unit. Just a huge guy moving around out there. Uh, I actually didn't know he played college ball at the University of New Mexico. So that was something new to me. Um, he was a first-round pick to the Chicago Bears, where he played his whole career. And, um, yeah, great career, great athlete. want to hear what you guys got to say about Erlacher. Yeah. I mean, as a former linebacker, I think Erlacher is the most, like, prototypical old-school Mike linebacker. I um, mean, big, stocky, white dude, number 54, bald head. Um, I don't even – did he wear a neck pad? He had to wear a neck pad. He had to wear a neck pad. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy you want in, in the middle of your defense. I, I, I One fun fact or interesting thing about him, I'm pretty sure he played safety in college. Or really? he, I know he played safety at some point in his career, which is just absolutely scary um, after you just went over – his measurements, but, um, yeah, a hell of a linebacker. I mean, I, I would say between him and Ray Lewis, yeah. I would say of like the, the two thousands era, that's when you, when you say linebacker, those are the two names that, that, that come up. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like growing up playing linebacker and youth football, like it was Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher. Yeah. Totally. That was in my head, like before every single snap. So. Yeah, and you think about those guys, they're, they're like stepping up in the A-gap, making a tackle. You know, now with all these schemes today, we got these different, you know, kind of like hybrid safety linebacker type deals, which is cool and all. But when you're talking about like just being an absolute brick shit house and filling up the gap, Brian Irv, he, he's the linebacker. first guy that comes yeah. to mind. Yeah, he's yeah. the old school, hard ass middle linebacker mentality, which you love. All right, no head-to-head in Hollywood this week. Um, we thought we would use that opportunity to honor the passing of Kenneth Mitchell. Kenneth Mitchell played Ralph Cox in Miracle. Um, Miracle, for me, is probably my favorite sports movie of all time, and um, Kenneth's character, Ralph Cox, is um, an iconic part of that film. I mean, so many great lines in there. I mean, isn't it obvious for the girls? I- I'm from anywhere that's not going to get me hit. Just some one-liners and um although he never you know made the olympic team he's still a huge part of that team in my opinion so rest in peace to kenneth mitchell um the five-year battle with als so you hate to see that um i never knew really a ton of other movies that he was in but i mean i'll never forget the ralph cox performance in miracle um just such a great character the way he was able to stick out, like you said, without even making that final roster and almost like a half of the movie, um, how he takes getting cut. I mean, there's just multiple things. He just seemed like a great dude. The guys loved him. Um, Kenneth Mitchell, great job, great performance in that role. So, yeah, rest in peace to Kenneth Mitchell. Yeah, and really just an iconic piece of that story. Um, kind of everything comes full circle because Herb Brooks was actually the last cut um, when he was a player playing on the Olympic team, didn't make it when they actually won the gold medal. So um, him and Ralph have kind of that, they see eye to eye on that. Like they can relate to one another. So that's a really impactful part of the movie when um, he does make that final cut with Ralph and, you know, thanks him for, for giving him his very best. So rest in peace, Kenneth, 
rest in peace, Kenneth. Um, again, hell of a job portraying Ralph Cox, and you will be dearly missed. Now it's time for Fast Food with 40. This is where Ty, also known as 40, gives his um, 40-second review from a brand-new fast food item on the market. This week's item is the Cheesa from KFC. It's uh, brand-new. So, 40, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what the Cheesa is, and then we'll put you on the clock. Okay, so the Cheesa... Um, I got the small version. I guess there's a large version as well. But basically, this was just two like KFC chicken tenders with marinara sauce, cheese, and pepperoni. Okay. Well, they did a great job naming it. I mean, literally just combined chicken and cheesa, like or chicken and pizza. So yeah, cheesa. I mean, that's yeah. it is a good, it's a smooth name. name. It's yeah. a smooth name. All right. Forty second review here from forty, starting in three two one all right so the cheese i liked it um i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't tell you guys you need to go like go rush and go get it um if you're a big chicken parm fan you'll probably like this a lot i mean that's pretty much what it tasted like i mean kfc i, I enjoy their chicken um and then just the marinara sauce cheese pepper, whatever you're imagining this would taste like it's probably what it tasted like it wasn't like bad in any way but wasn't surprisingly good in any way but i did enjoy it um i'm gonna leave it with a 6.8 as a review um how much time do i have left john five seconds okay i'm good look at All that right. i made up for last week great i have one great. follow-up question 40 like when i look at the picture of this thing the first thing that comes to mind for me, does the marinara sauce taste at all like those little marinara packets that you used to get in those pizza Lunchables? That's kind of what it jogs yeah. my memory to. I mean, as far as the marinara sauce, <laughs> yeah, it's probably about the quality of what it was. It wasn't bad. That's what I'm saying. But it wasn't like, again, whatever you're imagining, chicken, marinara sauce, cheese, and pepperoni to taste like from KFC, that's what you're going to get out of this thing. So well, and I, I'm not downplaying that at all. I yeah. mean, those pizza Lunchables, they had a reputable part in your life. Like th those were a staple for a while. I can't, unfortunately I'm not there anymore, but I, when I have kids, man, I'm, I can't wait to bring those things back. Yeah, absolutely. The, the only thing too, like the cost of this thing, it was literally, I, again, I told you guys I got the small. So it was like two, two like decent sized chicken tenders with the sauce and everything. It's like six ninety or something, which I don't know. I just think that's, way too much i guess with these new menu items they jack up the price a little bit but again if i was looking to be full i wouldn't need to get two or three out of those and at that point i'm i'm spending you know upwards of 15 dollars. and why would i not just go to chipotle or something so and you're still on the one bite train right still on the one bite train um i'm not gonna lie i had to take two bites of this because my first bite i didn't get like a piece of the pepperoni in there um so i was like well let me take one more um, it's actually sitting in my fridge right now. I'll see if my wife wants it when she gets home or maybe I might get into it again late night for a cheap meal this weekend or something. So we'll see. Well, I'm glad to hear you that you um, sacrificed a few calories for us to make sure you gave us the full review. All right. That wraps it up for our segments of the week. Um, you guys are in for a real treat with this conversation we had with Jake Fraley, such an amazing dude. Um, so let's go ahead and, and jump over to that right now. 
All right, here we go. We got Jake Fraley on the line live from Goodyear, Arizona. Jake, thanks for coming on tonight, man. I appreciate you having me. How's it going out there? How's the squad looking? Uh, we look good. Uh, I think, as Ellie would say, we look electric. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you, you're healthy. Everything good? Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, uh, surgery went well in the off season. Um, I was fortunate enough to to be able to get it done with you know someone who's widely considered the best of the best. So I was able to get in there, and he was able to fix uh, the the broken bone. I, was, I got a plate and six screws. Um, and the PT was great. Uh, and I haven't had a problem. Crazy. Nice. Crazy you got a plate and six screws in there. Do you ever feel that running around or no, no big deal? No. Yeah, I know. I was I I said the same question when I sat down <laughs> with him the day before the surgery and I was like, Hey, like, you know, am I gonna am I gonna feel this? You know, like I mean, you know, you you know, it's not like it's in your quad or hamstring, you know, like right. there's like it's meaty, you know, it's just kind of like a little bit of skin and then your bones right there and he was like no nah, it'll feel just like your other foot and exactly what it feels like yeah, now great. this wasn't dr rosano by chance was it no oh, no this okay was, this, this was uh bob anderson out of north carolina okay okay yeah, yeah no we've um i'm good friends with dr rosano and okay. then he did um my little brother he did jp's shoulder okay um, so we're, we're we're close with him so yeah no no he's phenomenal yeah he's phenomenal i uh just one with with Anderson. I spent a little bit too much uh, time at Beacon, at least more time than I <laughs> do in my career. So, yeah, no, that's, hey, man, it, it, it's just one of those things that is just part of the game. You just got to deal with it. Yep. I know this has been kind of a crazy off season for you, Jake, with things you have going on personally in your family. How yeah. is are you able to deal with that, or how's that been going? Um, you know, getting ready for an MLB season. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I've, I've had that question asked a lot um, between, you know, coaches, obviously, you know, guys in the clubhouse and then um, a ton of media, right? Um, and my, my answer always surprises everybody. And it might surprise you, but we're doing great. Um, and it's simply by the grace of God. Uh, we're, we're believers in Jesus. Um, and... Uh, the most amazing part has been able to see my, um, obviously my daughter. So she was, she was five when she was diagnosed. Now she's six and my son is seven. Um, and to be able to see them live, uh, scriptural truth out in their lives at such a young age. Um, you know, Jesus tells us to receive faith like a child. And it's been so amazing to be able to, you know, it, it's crazy to say it, but, you know, my wife will, would agree if she was here with us, you know, my son has almost been like an anchor for us and he's seven years old. Wow. Um, and it's been really cool to, to witness, um, you know, cause like in moments you want to, especially with your children, you know, and they're that young, you want to, you don't want to show too much of, you know, that emotion, right. You want to make them feel like everything is secure and safe and, um, and obviously they, you know, even at that age, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of, you know, they're like sponges, right? They, um, they're receiving information and they hold on to it. And, uh, you know, there's some times that we've had where me and my wife just can't hold it together, you know, in front of them. And, um, you know, in those little individual moments, like my son just like stops us, he notices it. And then he's like, Hey, you know, Jesus has her, you know, she's going to be all right. Jesus, wow. Jesus says that she's going to be protected and she's going to be protected. 
And um, it's just been an amazing thing to, to see, to witness, um, to experience. And then, you know, we're just, you know, we're just living out the gospel. You know, we, we live in a broken world and we know that. Um, and, you know, even though you're a believer and even though, you know, you might live a life that, uh, you know, you deem as, you know, I can protect my family from, I can break as, as a man, your job is to protect, provide, and to be the spiritual leader of your household. Um, but it's crazy to think that even as a father, you know, you can't protect your children from everything. And the quicker that you accept that and understand that, the more freedom there is. And it really, but the kicker there is that that freedom only comes in Jesus. Um, you know, because when you were able to posture your heart toward the cross, right, it's, it's, it's full submission and it's not full submission day to day. It's not full submission month to month. It's submission moment to moment. Um, and when you can understand that, that's where that freedom comes from. And that's where, when you're asked a question like that, I can say like, you know what, like we're just, we're just walking with Christ and we're living in communion with him. We're walking with him in an intimate and a personal relationship every day. We're seeking out his understanding, not the understanding of the world. Um, and when you live a life like that, you receive the hope and the peace and the joy, you know, that scripture tells you that you can live in and that that's not living in it when things are great. It's meant to be lived in when circumstances are against you. Oh, for sure. That's awesome, man. Really great to hear. We're, we're all believers, strong believers. Um, so awesome to hear that side of it from you. And like you said, there, there's really no way to like probably describe the peace that you're feeling right now with everything that's mm. going on other than by, by the grace of God. And um, no, that's, you know, obviously God works mysterious ways and what a great way, you know, not, not a great way, right. Externally yeah, as the yeah. world would perceive it, but just to share mm. your testimony and what, what Jesus means to you and your family. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah. That. Uh, that's what I was going to say too. Like just that answer with the way you're responding it. Cause so many people, if that happened to me, why the hell is this happening to me? Like, mm -hmm. God, why'd you do this? And yeah. to hear the piece. And I, I know there's going to be a lot of people in the city listening to this. So appreciate you being vulnerable and, and sharing your faith like that. That's, that's, that's so awesome. No, absolutely. So speaking of speaking of Cincinnati, how, how have you like being on the Reds? How do you like being in Cincinnati? Uh, uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a blessing. Um, the city has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, when I got traded over here from Seattle, the number one thing I kept getting to told from a lot of people um, when it happened was, you know, you're going to baseball country, you're going to baseball country, you're going to baseball country, and I'm like, all right, like I, uh, you know, you guys are hyping this up. I got to see what this is all about. <laughs> Um, and it was really, really cool, especially last year. Um, you know, when we were on that streak, uh, you know, the winning streak, um, and then even, uh, even a little bit before that into the winning streak and even for quite a bit after that, um, you know, to see that stadium, you know, light up and the amount of people that were showing up, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, and you know, you, you got a glimpse of like, you know, what, you know, this city's all about, um, and how much they love their baseball, Ooh, how much they love their sports, you know, in general. Um, so it was, it was really cool to be able to experience it finally. Um, and now to be able to, you know, for you guys, you know, in the city and, and the fans to be able to see that, you know, we have a core group of guys, you know, that have been established in, you know, in our clubhouse, and the front office sees it and they value it, right? Like, I think that that's one of, like, the um, the under-the-radar things that I think a lot of people don't really talk about too much. And that's that, you know, we didn't do – I know everybody wanted, you know, 
to have these big free agent signs, whatever. And we did. We, I mean, we made some really good signings. Um, we addressed some really good. I mean, the guys that we brought in are really, I mean, a good crop of studs. Um, and they're going to they're gonna do a lot for us this year. But I think the under-the-radar thing is that we didn't trade away any of the core guys. And I think that, the you know, when you have that core group, um, you know, it's crazy. I, like, I'm 28. I'm so young, and I'm considered the old guy in the – in the, in the locker room. So like to be able to have like a young core group of guys that are able to play together for, you know, a, a good handful of us for the last uh, two years going on three years. And then now you brought up all these guys last year, all the young guys, right. That are going to be solidified. They're going to be there for years and years and years. That's a big deal because when you have all of us being able to experience game after game together, wins, losses, the ups and downs, um, having to adjust as a team, um, go through it together, experience the, you know, the Gatorade showers and walk-offs and all of those things. Like those are little notches in our belts that we're going to hold on to that are going to play dividends when we get to that point where we're like, you know, we're going to run this division. We're going to get to the playoffs. We're going to go to the World Series. Um, and those are the things that, you know, you might not it might not be the big flashy thing that you see and, and, and you see the immediate impact, but it's the thing that over the long haul, those little things are going to, are going to, what are, are going to be like the X factor when you get to the, um, you know, where we want to get to. No, hundred percent. And we, we, all, we obviously all grew up in Cincinnati and, you know, JP and I, we, we both played college baseball. I coached at Cincinnati for the last few years and just, watching you guys last year, man, it was like, it was like watching a college team. You know what I mean? It was just all yeah. the intangibles, like running the bases hard, dirt balls, going first to third, never all the out little of it. things. Yeah. Never out of it. Just fighting, calling back. And that was just really, really fun to watch. No matter if you guys won or lost, man, like it was just a really fun group to watch game in and game out. Yeah. I believe we were actually all three at, um, the Will ben or Benson's walk-off homer, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Against the Dodgers, yeah. I got to say that week, I think we went to another game, not like pretty close to that, but like, those couple weeks were probably the most excitement I've seen around the Reds or felt, honestly, since they were in the playoffs back in like 2012 when they yeah. lost to uh, the Giants, when they – went ahead to win it all. So, I mean, that was, that was an awesome experience just being down there those couple of weeks, catching a couple of those games. Uh, yeah. And like you said, you guys kept a lot of those young guys around, which as a Reds fan, um, the past few years through the ups and downs, we've kind of had some guys come and go. So uh, no, it's definitely exciting and fun to see that um, that core group of guys that you got, you've uh, talked about sounds like it's a good culture i mean you guys look like you're having fun on the field i, I assume is it it's the same way in the clubhouse you guys all get along really well oh yeah it's a it's a great group of guys it's um and that's why i feel like we and i know you guys have probably heard it multiple times in you know interviews and um you know the guys talking after the games um after the wins the cultivating of the culture that we were able to, you know, accomplish, um, you know, that typically takes years. Yeah. And it's a really hard thing to do in the big leagues, especially because year to year, it's a revolving door. Um, you have a lot of guys going in and out. And so for us to be able to do that so quickly, it just, it just, it's just a testament to, 
the quality of guys that we have in that locker room, right? The personalities and um, the, uh, and I like to refer to it as like the servant attitudes. Um, you know, everybody is, wants to be on the top step, cheering on the next guy. Every time we go out there, we want to win for each other. Um, you know, every one of us wants to play hard for the next guy. And, you know, that doesn't, you know, that's, that's not something to take lightly because that's something really hard to do, especially in the big leagues. So for us to be able to, to have that in the clubhouse and cultivate that so quickly, um, it just speaks to, to the quality of guys that, um, you know, we've been able to bring together, you know, under one roof and, you know, be able to go out on the field and play night after night together. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds, it sounds eyewash and corny at times, but I would totally agree that that stuff, I mean, that makes a world of a difference, especially in a game like baseball where you never have the same nine out there every day. So you need, mm -hmm. you kind of need to pick each other up and be there for your guys. So. Yeah. And, 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 and people forget how it's so easy to sit in the stands and just, and just watch a game, right. Um, to be able to just, you know, you know, watch, how easy some guys might make it look um but you know this game is tough um you know that's why you you are at such an elite category such a small percentage of guys that not only get to the big leagues but you know every time you kind of take that next step of okay just get to the big leagues is a big deal and then you get a year of service time two years three years and then you get to ARB and then you get to ARB two, ARB three, free agency. Like every time you, you hit these little milestones, the group gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's for a reason. It's because this game is tough. And so, um, you know, the fact that we have that ability as a team in the clubhouse to be able to be there for each other in that, in that fashion, um, you know, it pays off in ways that, you know, the nor the average fan isn't going to be able to see. Um, again, you just see us go out there and play the game and some nights it looks easy and some nights it doesn't. Um, but when you're looking at 162 and you're looking at year after year and what we're trying to accomplish, I mean, that's everything. Yeah. No, I know you just hit on how tough it can be and how strenuous it can be mentally. And I know you've been pretty open in the media um, about your mental health journey and that you've done a lot of work to get yourself mentally to where you're at today. Talk a little bit about that process and, and that journey for you. Yeah, it was, uh, going on four years ago, three, four years ago, I was ready to quit. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to play the game anymore. Um, it was, I just, I, I didn't know how to, how to handle being in the big leagues. Um, it was kind of like one of those things where you spend your whole life with this one goal. It's like, I want to get to the big leagues. I want to get to the big leagues. And then you finally accomplish it. And then it's like, well, crap, what do I do now? <laughs> and it doesn't help, you know, it actually makes it worse when you just keep a general um, goal of, well, I just want to do well up here. Um, or even, you know, it's a little more specific, but it's still general. Um, you know, I want to be an all-star, you know, everybody that everybody wants to be an all-star. Um, you got to dig deeper than that. And the reason for it is because the reason why it's so vital and you can't keep that, you know, that same understanding, I guess, that you had getting to the big leagues um, is because it's such a difficult game. Like it, people don't understand, like the, the, the gap between AAA and the big leagues is enormous. And every year it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And 
you have to be able to understand, right? Like when you get to the big leagues, you don't get there by, you know, by coincidence. Like you're there for a reason. Like everybody is, everybody can hit, everybody can throw, everybody can run. Well, not everybody can run. Spent it pretty slow. Uh, <laughs> everybody can do just about everything. And you have to find a way to separate yourself from the rest of the pack. Um, that's how you stick around year after year. Um, and the way to do that is from, you know, the mental side. Um, and you guys know, like, you know, the, the, this game is mental and everybody hears it over and over and over again. And you hear it from, you know, every little league coach and you hear it from every former player, but like nobody wants to take the time to really dive into how to do it. Um, like it's easy to sit there and say, yeah, like, you know, this game's tough mentally. You got to be mentally tough. It's like, okay, well, show me how to do it. Right. What does that mean? And Exactly. And, um, and it stinks too, because there's also quite a bit of people that try to explain it, but it's, it, it's, it's not right. Um, it's not the right content. And so, uh, my agency actually had, um, done a few things with, uh, the guy that I eventually hired on to my team. Um, and you know, my agent, you know, I was talking, I'm very close to my agent, uh, I've been with him for quite a few years and, I remember calling him and talking to him about, you know, everything I was going through. And he was like, you know, like, why don't you, why don't I set up a meeting with, and his name is Brian Kane. He's like, why don't I set up a name, uh, a meeting with Kaner? And I was like, man, like, I'll be honest with you. I, I really don't want to talk to this dude. And he was like, look, he was like, out of respect for me, he was like, just give him 30 minutes. And I was like, all right. Uh, I, his, my agent's Cotto. I was like, all right, Cotto, I'll give you 30 minutes. And so he set up the meeting and I had no idea about Kane. Like, bro, Kaner is like, <laughs> this, yeah. this guy's giving me 30 minutes is like the one of one in the world. And at the time I'm like, I didn't look anything into this guy. I'm just like, yeah, Kyle, I'll give him 30 minutes. <laughs> and not realizing like the, like what was, you know, on the other side of the laptop when I was on a zoom call with him. And I think it was within like 10 minutes of me being on a zoom call with him. I was like, all in. I was like, I don't care how much you cost. I want to work with you for a year. And it changed my life. Um, and not just from the baseball side, but, um, from me being a husband, me being a father, me being a son, me being a friend, um, it changed my whole life. And so it, a lot of it just had to do with, again, getting the proper content, right? Because there's two sides of, you know, the way I think of it when it comes to like mentality, right? You have, you have your therapy side that, you know, you want to have somebody that you can go to, to vent to, to talk to, talk through things. And then you have mental performance and that's drastically different. Um, mental performance. Think of it as like, um, like if you were to go try and play basketball, right. And you've never played it before you're going to try to learn how to play a position. And within that position, you are going to want to do certain drills in order to learn a skill set in order for you to play that position properly. Well, it's no different from the mental performance side. It is simply exercises and drills that you're learning now skill sets to be able to utilize when you are trying to perform. Um, it's, it's practical things. It's things that you put into action when you're out there playing. Um, and even not just while you're playing, but before and after the game. Um, and so I started going through, uh, he has, uh, he calls it, um, his 30 day program. And so this was, 
halfway through the season. This was at All-Star break. He's like, hey, usually guys go through this and it takes them, you know, a whole month to go through. And I was like, I'm going to go through it in a week. And so I sat down and I went through his whole 30-day program in a week. And then I went through it again the next week. And I went through it again the next week. So after three weeks, I had already gone through his 30-day three times. And I was just setting up calls with him on a weekly basis. And we were just slowly implementing all of these things into, um, you know, my daily life. And I did that for, uh, I think it was like a month of me rehabbing because at the time I had a broken foot. Um, and I was able to finally apply it for that second half of, uh, 22. And I was, I mean, I was, I was one of the hottest hitters in in baseball for the second half. And I was like, I remember getting at the end of that, of that second half. And I was like, I got on a call with him. I'm like, dude, I'm like, this stuff really works. And it was like a light bulb like went on. I'm like, I just immediately went to like a, uh, again, that servant attitude. I'm like, man, like this could help our entire team. Like the amount of guys, cause, and you guys, I'm sure, like you said, former players, you guys have seen it. There are so many guys in the locker room that are hurting. They are struggling, but you would never know mm-hmm. because it, you know, as a man, you're taught to hide it, you know, whatever, especially in the game, in the clubhouse, you don't want to show any weakness. And but you know it's the opposite, right? So, like, I was like, man. And so I just – I didn't go in the locker room and, like, start just blowing out, like, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it and all this stuff. But, like, little by little, like, everybody would – everybody noticed a difference in me. And they were like, hey, like, like what are you doing? Like, did you change anything? Like, did you change anything in your swing? And I'm like, no, same swing, uh, you know, same mechanics. And I would slowly get to, you know, start talking about all this mental performance stuff. Um, and now fast forward, uh, you know, at the time I was the only guy, um, now, uh, we have eight guys that are working directly with pain. Wow. And so like this guy is just, I mean, like I said, he's one of one in the world. Um, and he, he's incredible. And, uh, you know, the, like I said, the best way I can describe it is it's, it is simply learning drills that create skill sets for you that you are just able to apply when you're out there on the field. No, that's great, man. And like, it honestly reminds me a lot, you know, you're, you're big on your faith too. It's like, you know, it's more people coming up to you and be like, you know, there's something different about this guy. Like what's, what is it? And that's, that's your opportunity. Right. And it, it's almost like kind of coincides with one another. And you talked about how just the mental work you did with him, like I'm sure has even, you know, prepared you for what you've been through recently, like just in your life. So. Oh no, absolutely. Um, I, uh, when my daughter got diagnosed, I called, I, I talked to, I've gotten really close with Kaner over the last three years. Um, he likes it. He's like, yeah, we'll set up a meeting every, you know, every couple of weeks to like get on zoom call. And we end up talking like three, four times throughout the week, every week. And I remember I called him after my daughter got diagnosed and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I wanted to let you know that, you know, three years ago when I hired you, you know, I thought I was hiring you to, to make me the, you know, the best baseball player that I knew I could be. And I was like, it wasn't for that. I was like, it was for this. And um, so that's that's where like that life changing aspect comes in um, because it's and unfortunately, you know, in the world that we live in now, too, it's like the, you know, alpha male, like that male presence as a man is kind of like losing its its nature in a sense with a lot of people. 
And I feel like there's another aspect to that where it's like when you can like get, grab a hold of learning about who you are, right? Like, so like for me, a big thing that comes to that is like, as a man, I feel like you need to understand, you need to have like core principles that you live from on a daily basis. And like, for me, like I have three core principles that I live through and it's being present, being neutral, and it's having big attitude. And so obviously being present, you know, I don't have to define that. It's just being in every single moment um, with whatever it is, right? Like I'm, uh, I block my schedule every single day. I block in my schedule. So like, I know exactly what I want to do every day and I'm accomplishing it. And every single one of those time blocks, I am in every single, like every ounce of me is in that moment. Like I'm never like, too far ahead in the past i am here in the present moment and then being neutral so i don't know have you guys heard of neutral thinking not much so neutral thinking was a concept that um i came across a couple years ago and it it actually came from um a book uh by trevor moab so that was uh russell wilson's mental performance coach um and he wrote a book that was called it takes what it takes Mm. And in this book, he talks about neutral thinking. And so he, he uses the, um, the analogy of a coin. And he's like, so you have, you know, you, you, one side is present, or I mean, uh, one side is positive, one side is negative. And then, you know, if you take a coin and you, if you're careful, you can sit it up on its edge. And he was like, you need to live on this edge. And the edge is neutral thinking. And so the reason why neutral thinking is so important is because for obvious reasons, you don't want to think negatively, right? You don't need to, you know, explain that. Now, positive, you don't want to think positive either because positive is like creating a false reality for yourself. And um, it's just as detrimental as the negative thinking. And a lot of people don't understand that. But the neutral thinking is just simply, I'm able to stay, I'm able to accept what it is. And then my next thought is what is important next. And then you simply live your life like that moment to moment. It's like, okay, this is what happened. It's almost like data. You're receiving data. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't uh, win or lose. Like Kobe Bryant talked about a lot. You win or you learn, right? So you take that aspect, you take that data, and then you just focus on what is next. What is the next best thing for me to do? And so that keeps you in that neutral space where, again, you're not being negative, but you're also not, you know, I, I was 0 for 3 or 3 strikeouts. Oh, I'm still the best hitter in the world. No, you're not. You got it shoved up your butt. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're not. And so when you can accept that it is what it is and then what is important next. So that's the data that you received. Now, what are you going to do with it? Like, did, did you make bad decisions? Uh, was there something, was there something in your swing, you know, that you need to tweak? And then now you take it, you take the emotions out of it, right? Cause emotion clouds judgment, you know, feelings are not facts, you know, they're all they are, are feelings. And so, when you can take all of those things out of the picture and you can now just receive it as pure data. And then now it's like, okay, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do next? And, um, and then the third thing that I live by is big attitude. Now, big attitude. I, I, I like the, the word big attitude because it's, it sounds like, okay, I'm going to walk in a room and I'm going to beat my chest and make sure you know that I'm here. And that's not it at all. It just means that when I walk in a room, you recognize my presence And the reason why you recognize my presence is because I'm intentional about everything that I'm doing and I have very specific behaviors behind everything that I'm doing. Um, And when you do that and you live your life by that, um, you get everything out of whatever it is that you're doing. And so as men, like you need to define those core principles for yourself because think of that almost as like your anchor, 
right? It's, it's like what goes back to you because like I said, I block in my schedule only 80% of the time. Does that schedule probably go to, you know, what I think it's going to go to it. And if it goes to that 80%, if I can ex- like successfully go through that block in schedule 80%, like that was a very successful day. So that other 20% are like, I leave the house and I have like things just thrown at me left and right to take me out of that schedule. Now, if any of those things are things that, you know, you have attachments to that cause whatever feeling it is for you. Like when you have those core principles, I can now lean on something like, no, like I can be the best version of Jake Fraley in every single moment. And so when you, and and when you're able to do that, that's when you accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish. Right. No, I, I think you touched on a ton of very different things there. Um, I wish I could have heard that or talked to you like three or four years ago. It may have helped me uh, head Same a here. better in college. But um, I wanted to backtrack a little bit. We were talking mm-hmm. about just how hard the game of baseball is. You were statistically at one point in the season last year, one of the best pinch hitters in the whole league. Um, I personally mm-hmm. know from college just how hard that can be even if you're facing a guy that kind of, or you think might suck. I know you didn't face, yeah. you're not facing anybody in the family <laughs> that sucks. But, yeah. Um, just especially out of the bullpen, but walk me through a little bit. Um, Cause obviously, I mean, pinch hitting, it's completely different, but what kind of, what are some of your things that uh, you do to prepare, I guess, more mentally before a pinch hit at bat? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's different for everybody because everybody thinks of it different. Um, as far as being in that role or for that specific game, uh, if that's the the role that you you know are given, um, but I think the one constant amongst everybody is uh, there's a side of you that wants to stay at the end of the dugout and not be noticed because you don't want to go in the game. And that might sound crazy to you, but um, when you're, you know, when you're not starting the game, um, you get to a place where you start overthinking a lot of stuff. Um, and you know that when you go in the game, there is going to be, you're probably, when you go in the game, you're probably going to be in a high leverage situation. So that's one. And you're going to do it after sitting on the bench for four or five or six innings. And two, the hardest pitchers to hit in baseball are relievers. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, and especially now, like year after year, I mean, they do stuff with the baseball that uh, it's just like, I don't even know how it's possible. Everybody throws a hundred now. It seems like it's a hundred and nothing <laughs> is straight. And if it is straight, it has an incredible amount of ride and it almost <laughs> yeah. looks like it, it almost looks invisible. Yeah. And that those are the guys that you're going to have to face. And so when you have, when you have kind of that, those, you know, things that are in your mind, it makes you want to get to the end of the dugout, you know, keep your overthrow on. And like, I don't, I don't want you to notice me. Like, I don't want to get in this one. Like, you know, DB stay down there, man. I'll stay down here at the end of the dugout and, 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 and cheer the guys on. Especially in that and, cold weather. Oh yeah. Especially early in the year. Uh, and then you get to the end of the year. Um, you know, there's so many aspects that go against it. So I think that, and, and guys don't realize that, yeah, like I might be like protecting myself in a way, but really you're just hurting yourself because no matter what you do, like 
DB already has an idea of like, look, I'm waiting for a high leverage situation and I'm going to put you in when it comes up, like regardless of what you're doing at the end of the dugout. So you need to get past all of that stuff. You need to, you know, and, and this is where, again, the mental side comes into play too, because you're talking about fears, right? All of those things that I just described are fears. And the thing that a lot of people don't understand is like fear is never going to go away. You're always going to have fear. And if, uh, and if, and if you think that it's going to go away, if somebody tells you it's going to go away, they're, they're wrong. And you need to learn how to use fear to your advantage. And when I say that, I mean, like, understand that, um, you know, Kaner has a thing. He says like adversity is your advantage, like pressure makes diamonds. And, uh, when he talks about fear, he talks a lot about, um, George St. Pierre and, uh, he trained, uh, trained. He, uh, he was George St. Pierre's mental performance coach for his entire hall of fame career. Um, and George St. Pierre talks about fear in the aspect of, um, again, fear is just a feeling, right? And uh, you guys ever heard the, the statement, um, fake it till you make it? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So fake till you make it. Well, I would change that around, say fake it till you become it. Yeah. And where that, where that comes from is like, um, and there's actually, it's just, it's, there's like, I don't want to say it's a clinical study. Maybe it is a clinical study, but there's a lady um, that did a whole study um, on a group of people. Um, and basically, long story short, she came to the conclusion that you can simply act yourself into feeling how you want to feel. So you act different than how you feel. And so in that specific moment of being a pinch hitter, like, yeah, you're going to feel fear because all of those things are very real things and they're all up against you, but you need to act different than how you're feeling. So what does that mean? It means that I'm going to be at the end of the dugout and I'm going to have my overthrow off like after the second inning and I'm going to be walking around the dugout, like making sure that DB notices me. I'm going to be going back up and up under the tunnel. I'm going to make sure I get my swings in. I'm going to be ready, make sure I'm warmed. And you're going to be at the end of the dugout. Like, when we're hitting, you're going to be uh, on your feet. And then when we're in the field, you can sit down and relax. But when we're in here hitting, you're going to be on your feet behind, you know, behind the, the seats in the dugout, and you're going to be ready. You know, maybe even to the point where, like, you go get your shin guard, your elbow guard, and your batting gloves on. And I'm just sitting at the end of the dugout waiting. And so when you're doing that, you're now acting different than how you feel. And in that study, she saw that as you acted how you wanted to feel, eventually those feelings lined up with how you were acting. And right. so now by the time that you get to that point where it's like DB's like, hey, you're going to bat set, you know, lead off this inning. You're, if this guy gets on second base and they bring this guy in, you're going to go in and hit. I need you to drive this guy in. I need you to get this guy over. Like now you're at a point where now those fears are out the window because of the way you were acting and you took control of, of, of what was going on in your mind. And now you get to a point where now those feelings are lining up with how you're acting and now I'm ready to go. And it's like, as if I was playing the whole game the whole time. Yeah, no, that's great, man. And that, that's awesome. It's, it's just awesome to hear, you know, from a, from a big leaguer, right? Like how serious you take the mental game stuff. And you kind of already mentioned like the higher up in levels you go, like deciphering between, you know, people it's so slim and it's like how you know eating better getting your rest all that but the mental game is so huge and that you know 
I believe not talked about enough. Like it, it's a, that huge separator. Um, a couple fun ones before you let you go. I, I got it. I know you're an LSU guy. Um, I, I feel like a, like I'm totally rubbing in right now. I'm wearing my coastal hat. I, I, I knew you went to LSU. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were on that team. I wasn't on that team. I, I played there in 2018. Um, but I'm a, I'm sorry about that. I appreciate you letting, letting the shot squeak in there, but mm, I got to yeah. Um, you know, opening day is a big deal in, in Cincinnati, but it's also a very big deal down at LSU. So what are you taking? Obviously, try to take away the MLB versus the college opening day in the box or opening day at GABP. Mm. I mean, you, you can't you can't go away from opening day in 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 Cincy. I mean, it's obviously you know LSU does it good. It's the best in college baseball. Um but you can't beat you can't beat it in Cincy. I mean, it's the best in, in in baseball. I really think like all baseball, college, pros, like all of it. Um, the way that you know the fans show up, it's a giant party. Um, you know, everybody, uh, you know, it freaking shuts down the city. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's and it's an experience. Like you can't even describe it. Like when people talk about it, I'm like, no, you just got to come experience it. Like I. It, trying to explain it doesn't give it any justice. Um, so I, I got to go with Cincy. All right. Good deal. What about uh, music? You're a country guy, right? Yeah. Who's your Who's your go-to country artist? Oh, I love Cody Johnson. Okay. Cody Johnson. Oh, yeah. Love it. And then one last one for me, favorite place to eat in Cincinnati. There's a lot of, a lot of staples here. What, what's your favorite? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't eat out a whole lot. Um, what is that one in the city? Is called Soto? Soto. Yeah, the Italian spot. Yeah, they have um, it's the pasta. Oh, crap, I can't remember the name of the the dish, but they have the, the it's a pasta I always get. Um, I think it has short rib. It's short rib. That's what it is. They okay. have the short rib okay. pasta. Yeah, and then um, the uh, the donuts that they have. Uh, I've heard this from many people. Yes, you gotta get the donuts. The donuts yeah. are are they are good. Yeah, they're really good. And then they have uh, their appetizers. They have like a, a few different um, – it's like these breads with different things on top of them, and they're like – they're to die for. They're really good. I'm just now, glad you didn't say you, Skyline. Yeah, have you gotten on the Skyline <laughs> train yet? Oh, no, and I won't. Wow. I will not. <laughs> good answer. I was going to say, you, you look like you're pretty clean. I don't, no, I don't no, know I if can't. cheese conies are in that That's diet. That's why I'm not eating that, man. <laughs> that, that'll have you running like Spencer Steer in a minute. Absolutely, and a pulled hammy with that too. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's it's great. probably honestly twelve wide pulled. Uh, pulled hammy last year. <laughs> certainly didn't help you. Too no, many, like I, yeah. Wednesday skyline trips after practice. No, absolutely. A lot that. of a lot of people don't realize injuries don't come very much from. I mean, it can from you know lack of working out, but it comes more from nutrition. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Well, Jake, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We're blessed to have you as a Cincinnati Red, getting to watch you play. But after this conversation, even more blessed to just have you as a leader in our community. Um, one more question before we let you go. Mm. Based off all your experiences, everything you've been through, what would be the one piece of advice um, you would leave the people with through everything you've learned? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to stick with, um, you know, with learning the truth. Um, and obviously that's that's in, in, in Christ. Um, I just, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people, I and mean, we, we've even touched on it in the clubhouse, you know, with guys in, in specifically in baseball, but more, more to a broader spectrum of the world, right? A lot of people are struggling, and I think a lot of people are seeking that truth in a lot of things in the world. Um, 
you know, there's, shoot, there's a lot of guys in the clubhouse that are seeking that truth and trying to make as much money as possible and for everybody to know the name on the back of your jersey. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, the, the quicker that you can realize that all of it's very fleeting, um, the better, you know, everything's going to be for you because you can get to a place where you can actually start seeking out something that has weight to it, um, something that isn't hollow. Uh, and, and when you can understand that it only comes from, you know, Christ, um, and that's not just showing up to church on Sundays. That's I'm talking about uh, a personal, intimate love relationship with the Father. Um, and it goes beyond going to church. It goes beyond, you know, just reading scripture here and there. But it's about like spending alone time with Him. Like, man, I can't tell you how many times I've been on my knees and I'm 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 just crying to Him. You know, li- you know, literal crying. Uh, just telling him how I'm feeling and the things that I'm going through, um, you know, laughing with him, right? Because he's still our friend, you know, he's still our best friend and, and telling him about the things that I'm, you know, excited about, I'm happy about, you know, thanking him for. Um, and I think that when you do that, that's when you start building that, you know, no different than like right now, you meet, you know, we're on this podcast and this is the first time that we've talked, but we're, you know, we're building a relationship by talking, right? Um, I think that that is overlooked a lot in 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 a lot of people's walks. And so I would just, I would encourage people to one, find the truth, right. And it only comes in Jesus. And two, make sure you take the time to get to know who the father is. Uh, because the more that you get to know the father, the, you know, quite honestly, the, you know, the circumstances don't change, but it does get easier because now your heart is being transformed. Your mind's being transformed. Um, and your life now can, can, can live in the way that we're all yearning for. And that's what that hope, peace, joy, and, and, and happiness. Yeah. yeah, Brian Kane's a man, but there's no no better mental coach than Jesus, right? Oh, amen. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jake, you're a phenomenal dude, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Best of luck the rest of spring training. We're going to be patiently waiting to see you roll into GABP. Yep. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Also, head over to shopserenityapparel.com. Um, you can use the code FRAILY10 at checkout. That's going to save you 10% off. And uh, yeah, Jake, best of luck. Thanks again for coming on, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys for having me. And it's all good.